Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you this morning. I, I want to talk to you about giving to God this morning. I, I want to talk about the opportunity that we have to invest. And I, I want to ask just three questions. Three questions that we probably have all asked at some point or another. Uh, three questions that has to do with this topic, this subject of giving to God. What is it that we should give? I mean, when it comes time to giving to God, what is it that we should give to Him? Why should we give it? I mean, not only what should we give, but why in the world should we give it to Him? Now, what can we expect? Now, when we give to God, what is it that we can expect from Him in return, if anything at all? What should we give? Why should we give it? What can we expect? What in the world should we give to God? As I poured through Scripture this week, I, I began to think of, of all the places in Scripture that it seems almost clear that God gives us some instruction in regards to what we should give. Almost from the beginning to the end, I, I want to start with you in the beginning, toward the beginning anyway, Deuteronomy 26 is where I'm going to be getting started. I think it's around page 136 in your Bibles. But Deuteronomy 26 is this glorious scene where all of God's people are gathered and they're given this instruction from the Lord to give. <coughs> there they are. They've gathered together. And they're to give God their first fruits. It says right there, as, as you walk through Deuteronomy 26, that, that God was the one who had given them the land. He had given them everything. And, and in fact, He was promising them uh, that it would continue to go well. And He simply just asked that uh, the people of God would bring literally a, a literal basket filled uh, with the first harvest. The first piece of the harvest that would belong to praise to God that He had given it, that He's sustaining it. Deuteronomy 26. When you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have, been, and, and have taken possession of it and have, have settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. And then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for His name. And say to the priest in the office at the time, I declare today the Lord your God that I have come to the land the, the, the Lord swore of our, to our forefathers to give to us. And then the priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord. 
And then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a nation, powerful and numerous. And the next several verses, we just see that God's people were taken care of, that, that God was present with his people, uh, that he was providing for them, that he was saving them. If you go down to verse 9, he brought us into this place and he gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given to me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. And when you have finished setting aside a tenth of all of your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. What, what is it that I'm supposed to give to the Lord? I hope that you understand that, that when the Lord asks for your money, and he does so unashamedly, by the way, the Lord is not ashamed in asking us for what he has already given to us. We have to come to this deep recognition that, that God is the one who gives to us. You know that job that you have? You know that business that you own? You know that place that you call your home? Well, we have to come to a, a gathering like this and say, hey, God is the one who gives it. God is the one who gave you those abilities and those smarts and that job and that, uh, the ability to go and get that degree to get that job. And it's, it's the Lord's. And he is asking, hey, would you, would you give this thing that the Bible calls this first fruit? Or would you take this tenth of a portion and would you present it before the Lord and say, Lord, I praise you. I give you honor and glory because you are God. And it's by your provision that I am able to be here where I am. Now some of you think, ah, oh, that sounds like we're just appeasing the great God in the sky. God doesn't mind asking for your money, but he doesn't need it. So he asks for it because what he really desperately wants is you. God wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants your kingdom. He wants you to belong to Him and He recognizes <coughs> He recognizes that He's going to need your wallet in order to get to you. In 2 Corinthians, the same passage that we have reviewed over the last couple of weeks, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, as Paul begins to talk about his own habits of giving, as he encourages the Corinthian church in their manners of giving, he says in verse 10 of chapter 8, and here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the not only the you were the first not only to give but also to desire to do so. 
and finish the work so that your eager willingness to do may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. According to your means. He says, for the willingness is there. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. I think that God would ask us for a first fruit. I would define that scripturally as a tithe, as a first giving of 10% of what it is that God has given to me. But I think what Paul raises here, I think what he's getting at, I think the heart of the issue is, hey, 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 look, God's not asking you to go poor so that others might go rich. He's saying we may all have to give differently. In, in other words, there might be different amounts, but the equal sacrifice you see, it may not be equal giving, but it might be equal sacrifice. And so, uh, what is it that we should give? Well, I think we ought to give 10%. I think we ought to offer our first fruits before the Lord. I think we ought to have this desire that is there and that will be acceptable to God. What is it that we should give? We should give ourselves as we give our 10%. Because God wants you. Uh, my kids, my kids love to play in the living room. I don't know if your kids play in your living room like my kids play in my living room, but sometimes my kids will take blankets and they'll get the chairs out of the dining room and they'll bring them down into the living room area. And they'll begin to take the large blankets and they'll, they'll, they'll stretch them out over the, the chairs and they'll put weights on the blankets and, and they'll create forts. Do, do your children do this? And they'll begin, and, and I almost inevitably know what's going to happen. You see, we only have so many blankets in the house. And so eventually, we're going to run out. And, and then the war begins. Dad. Dad. She's stealing my blanket. He ruined my fort. I needed that chair. Because they both want their own fort. My advice would be just to work together and build one ginormous fort, but that won't do. They're really interested in individual fort building. Aren't you? I mean, let's think about it for a moment. There are some individual forts that are very legitimate in this world. We have forts that we want to build for our families, don't we? 
I mean, we want to uphold them. We want to nurture them. We want to love them. Hey, Thanksgiving's coming up, right? You're going to go and you're going to have hours and hours where you devote towards your family and you're going to get together and you're going to hug and some of you will cry. Some of you will cry for different reasons. But we have forts for that. And maybe that's okay. And we have forts for our businesses, don't we? I mean, in our careers, our jobs. And we give ourselves fully to it. We're going to do what's best for the business. We're going to do what's best for our career. We're going to make decisions that, uh, that, that just help the fort get bigger. We're going to solidify this chair and we're going to get another blanket over here and we're going to make sure that the business for it, the work for it, the career for it is going to go really well. And maybe that's okay. We like fort building. And maybe it's even God that gives us the ability, the opportunity, the chance, the giftedness to build the fort well. But as we think of what it is that we give, I wonder if Scripture isn't posing the question to us. Will you give up your fort for his? Will, allow, will you allow his fort to be more important than yours? Will you make his fort priority over yours? Even to the extent that if he said, I want you to take down your fort, and trust me, that we'd take it down. What is it that we should give? If you want to flip over, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is Jesus has already talked about giving. <coughs> that sounds horrible when I do that, doesn't it? <laughs> He's already talked about giving. He's already said in, in essence, hey, uh, uh, giving is a good thing, but how you do it is important. And he comes down in, in chapter 6, in verse 21, as he talks about storing for ourselves treasures in heaven, uh, he says in verse 21, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He goes a little further. He begins to outline the things that we begin uh, to tend to worry about, right? We worry about our forts, don't we? We worry if the chair is going to stand. We worry if the weight that we have on the other side is going to hold the blanket. We worry about our family. We worry about our career. We worry about our business. We worry about what we are going to eat. But we worry about what we're going to wear. In verse 32, he says, For the pagans run after all of these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. I wonder if what Jesus is saying here is you have to put your wallet where your biggest treasure is. You got to put your wallet where your biggest treasure is. So where is that? Is it with your fort? Is it with your career fort? Is it with your family fort? Is it with your job fort? Is it with your friendship fort? What, what fort is it with? Or, or will it be with the fort of God's kingdom? What is it that you should give? You should give your life. But you got to give up your fort to do it. And here's the crazy thing, isn't it? If I stop worrying about my fort and I start putting all of my effort and all of my energy and I begin to give God all that is His, and I make priority his kingdom, his fort over mine, then I stop worrying about my fort. Because I already know his fort is better. What is it that you give? You give your life. And you put your wallet where your biggest treasure is. Now, why is it that we give? Well, I, I have a whole litany of reasons that we might give uh, to God. Uh, first of all, uh, God says so. We can walk all the way through Scripture. I told you about Deuteronomy, and they're bringing their first fruits. Uh, I thought maybe the most interesting offering given in Scripture is uh, four chapters into the Bible in Genesis chapter 4. It seems to be that as they were living in community, knowing that God was available to them, Cain and Abel come and give an offering to the Lord. If you go into Genesis chapter 4, there's Cain and Abel. And they're giving an offering to the Lord, and, and one is taken and the other is not. Now, Cain, or now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the first of his flock, and the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he didn't look with so much favor. Why is it that we should give? Well, because God says so. And we better give with our whole heart and our whole mind and our whole strength. Our whole life ought to be uh, an offering to him, otherwise he's going to go, that's not acceptable. We give because God says give. We give because from the very beginning of time, all the way through, God's people are constantly giving. They're coming before the Lord with their offerings and their gifts and saying, Lord, we praise you. You're the, the creator of the universe and we want to give to you. 
We give because it's this visual demonstration that my kingdom has submitted to his. We give because this is the pathway towards spiritual maturity. That this just nudges me a little further along down the trust track. I know what some of you are thinking. 10%? How could I possibly? I'm afraid that if, if I actually do this, that if I actually were to give 10%, if I were to give a first fruit offering, that, that I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have enough money. That if I were actually to do this, I would run out of, uh, of money before I ran out a month. And this is what trust means, isn't it? This is what it means when we're actually, literally in, in, the, in the battlefield of life and we're looking at God going, oh, okay, I will lay down my fort for yours. And I will seek first your fort more than I seek my own. In Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, it's interesting that Proverbs opens and it, it's this glorious piece of wisdom from the Lord, pleading with us to trust in Him, trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In verse 9, he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. That peace that gives you economic reality in the world, give your first fruits. Now, I understand, like you do, that proverbs are not promises. Uh, they are wise sayings from the Lord, like, hey, you should live like this. And so we're getting just a word from the Lord, like, hey, why don't you give and then trust me on it? What is it that we should give? Well, I think that we should give our first fruits, our tithe. As a way of giving God all of who we are. Why do we give it? Because God says so. And because he recognizes that we need to trust in him. But what is it that we can expect from God? Now this is a touchy one, isn't it? I mean, we have all sorts of people in the world that like to say, well, if you give God, then you can just name whatever it is that you want, and he will give it to you. That's a lie. But I think it would be an equal lie if we said that God isn't good about providing for his people, because he is. God provides for his people. And we can trust in him enough to give to him. In the prophet Malachi, 
It's this passage that so often is referred to when we talk about giving in the Bible. <clears throat> but in Malachi chapter 3, God is asking for Israel to give. But he is asking them to give because they have robbed him. You see, in that context, uh, if you uh, were any kind of person, you would have to bring a sacrifice before the Lord. And what was happening, uh, instead of what should have happened, is, is they were bringing the leftovers to God. Have you ever done that? Uh, maybe, maybe it is that someone has asked for something and you've gone into your closet and gone, I think I have an old one of those. I know it's missing a wheel, but God can have it. Uh, that sort of thing was happening in the nation of Israel. They were supposed to be uh, bringing sheep without blemishes uh, so that they can make an honorable sacrifice before the Lord. And they weren't. They were bringing stuff with one wheel missing. And God said, you've been robbing me. And he is asking for a demonstration of repentance. <laughs> when Malachi comes before the people of Israel, he is asking them, he's saying, hey, if you want to return to the Lord then demonstrate it by giving. If you want to come back to the Lord, if you want to return to Him, if you want to be considered His kids again, if you want to enter back into this glorious commitment of relationship, then you need to show it by your giving. That's the context that's going on in Malachi chapter 3. It's a giving of repentance. And so, when Malachi the prophet says to the Lord in verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields uh, will not... Uh, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. Oftentimes when we hear the words from Malachi, hey, test me in this. It's often in the context of, hey, if you give, then you are leveraging God for whatever it is that you want in return. That's just simply not true. Malachi is saying to the people of Israel, hey, if you begin to act like God's kids, he will treat you like God's kids. I don't know if any of you have children. I have two children of my own, and I love them. Sometimes they do good things, and sometimes they don't. But can I suggest to you that when they act like my kids... When they act like the kind of kids that I want to belong to, 
Because I want to bless them. I want to provide for them. Malachi's simply saying, hey, will, will you act like God's kids? There's no lever that we can put on God. There's no amount of money that we can give to God to act as a lever for Him to, to suddenly begin to shell out tens and twenties. What is it that we can expect from God? Well, I don't know that you can expect that if you give, uh, your mailbox is suddenly going to be, begin bleeding fifties and hundreds. Okay? But I do think it's fair to say that God does love and wants to provide for His people. I can't tell you exactly how that provision might take place. God's got a pretty big portfolio. Uh, when my bride and I were living in Illinois, I was a preacher in a small town there, and, and we stayed there. I was full-time. I was going to school, and uh, she was working. We were in a small church that was trying to really begin to, to make headway. <laughs> For about five years while we were there, the entire operating budget for all the things at the church was around $44,000. That means lights, that means heat, that means rent, all of those things. And they had to pay a preacher. I was full-time. Yet oddly enough, we always had enough. We were always provided for. There might be someone show up at the back door with a, with a sack full of hamburger and say, hey, here, here you go. There were often times because Jolyn worked at a dentist's office that the dentist would allow us to come in and, and he would perform uh, procedures uh, for free. I went to seminary for roughly five years. And at the end of all of that, making only what we made, somehow I left graduate school debt-free. Now, I can't tell you that that is necessarily going to be your experience with giving, but I can tell you this. Uh, from one end of Scripture to the other, God seems to provide for His people. And I don't know what that's going to look like for you. Maybe, maybe it will look like Coupon Corey for you. I have a brother-in-law. His name is Corey. We call him Coupon Corey in my house because, well, he, he lives in an area of the country where they double and triple their coupons. And he's figured out the system. And he will go once or twice a week on his way home from work, and he'll call us once in a while and say, hey, what is it that you need? Because he can buy groceries for 10% for of their overall worth. He'll buy $5,000 worth of groceries in a year and pay $500 for them. 
And then he'll meet us somewhere in between here and there, and he'll, he'll just jam our, our, the back of our vehicle with hundreds, literally hundreds of boxes of cereal. When we needed diapers for our babies, he would say, oh, you need diapers? Okay, here's diapers. Oh, you need a little chicken broth? I can get that. Cheese, it's anyone? I got that. And literally, in my basement right now, there's like three shelves stocked full of, of all sorts of things like popcorn and, and, and cereal and chicken broth and peanut butter and jelly and you name it. Now, I can't tell you that, that your house is going to be filled to the brim with cereal. But perhaps... God will find a unique way to provide for you. So I think God is asking you to give. I think He's asking you to give because He loves you, not because He needs your money. He needs you. He needs you to put your wallet where your biggest treasure is. And I think he'll provide. Maybe in crazy sorts of ways, but I think he'll provide. So will you give? Will you give to God because he's asked for it? Will you give to God because it's a, it's a constant throughout Scripture? Will you give because it's just a visual demonstration of the kind of trust that you want to give to God? Church, let's give to God and see what happens. See what He provides. Pray with me. Lord, I, I pray that you were heard somewhere in there. Lord, I pray that we would give to you that we would find ways of expressing that we belong to you and that all you, all we have, you have given. Lord, I do thank you for all that you have given and I pray that we will give. Help our hearts and our minds, ourselves to be right in giving. And Father, may we look in the recesses and the shadows to see what you're providing. Lord, I thank you for your provision. And I love you. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.